On today's episode of Scientific Healing, you're going to hear... People would ask me all the time, well, if you're such a good healer, why can't you heal your mom? You healed your mom for years. Yes, exactly. You kept her alive for way more years than, than you know, yeah, was expected. So Right. So there's that. But then there's the the other thing is that she didn't want to be healed. That's true. She she came when she turned 80, like before she was 80, she was like really doing well. And after she turned 80, it was kind of like the hope ran out of her body. And then all she did, all she said every day is, I just want to die. Right. And that's some tough programming to get past. And, And when do you honor that? Hello everyone, you're listening to Scientific Healing Radio and I'm your host, Dr. Anastasia Chopolis. I know the power of vibrational healing by combining physics and ancient healing arts to develop my own system that has facilitated medical miracles for thousands of my clients and students. To start your day focused and energized, go to scientifichealer.com to get my free 11-minute wake-up-your-brain audio. Today, what we're going to talk about is something that most of us have to deal with and usually somewhere between the ages of 40 and 60 sometimes a little older if we're lucky and that is the end of life care for our elders and i went through that recently and i'm sure many of you are going through that and i have a situation in my family that's happening right now that, uh, you know, it begs the question, like what to do and when and all those decisions to make. And today, my fabulous co-host, Gwen Leppard, is assisting me because she has a situation too. Hi, Gwen. Hi, Anastasia. Oh, it's so good to be here. Yeah. As as parents um, begin um, aging, we definitely, my, my mom is now 81 and she says she wants to live to 95, but since she turned 80, she's slowing down and there's many people facing this problem and you know they want to do the best for their parents and it's expensive time consuming it's really hard to know what the best choices are and my heart's not breaking yet but i know that there's people out there whose hearts are and it's 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 super tough losing a parent in fact i'm coming up on the anniversary of my dad's death which was medically caused result of a of a medical procedure so what do people do exactly you know um, i know that you help a lot of people oh thank you thank you gwen and uh you know i'm here to advocate for good end of life care and i the experiences that i went through i mean my it's almost three years since my mom's death but the the three years prior to her death and all of the experiences that I had. And it really sucked the life out of me. And um, because of all the decisions you have to make, it's day to day. I'm the only one of four children that's near, was nearby. And I had two aging parents. My dad is still here. He's 86. And um, he, when I told him, he asked me, well, how long do you think I could live? And I said, well, maybe 30 more years. He goes, is that all? (laughs) (laughs) I like that attitude. (laughs) Yeah. So he, he's a person that's very easy to heal. Like if, if he says, you know, my left leg is hurting again, he had injured it a few years ago and he'll go, my left leg is hurting again. And I'll just do a little procedure. He goes, okay, it's much better now. And 
you know, a lot of older people don't respond to it because it's somehow this age of 80, it's like a magical cutoff point. And I was uh, really surprised, like for me, 80 is like, oh, I'm just going to sail past and keep going because life is so great, right? Right. <laughs> why, why do we have to go away? <laughs> and so, but um, to get back to the point, what happened is I, I went after I retired from the university, I took all of my um, 401ks from each of the universities and everywhere I had them stored and I went to Fidelity and had everything consolidated. And um, as I was talking, I was discussing, okay, um, you know, we set up an annuity that's to start paying out at age 70. And he goes, well, most people don't care after age 80. They don't think they're going to be here. And I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was surprised to hear that, that people don't want to imagine themselves living past the age of 80. And yet... It's like, I don't have to do it anymore. It's like, I don't have to keep myself up. You know, I'm getting old. I don't have to try anymore. Right. And pretty slope. Well, time. and the thing is, the thing is that people, when they're that, when they're that age, their bodies start to break down. And, you know, one of the topics I was that. thinking, right... <laughs> I was thinking of covering was, you know, chronic illnesses and how we don't have to succumb to them and end up taking 18 or 20 medications by the time you're 60 or 65. Okay, I'm 65 and I don't take any, anything, nothing. And I'm sure you don't take anything either, Gwen. Nope. <laughs> and 58. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And all our contemporaries are looking old. They're feeling old. They're dying of old age. I went to my 40th high school reunion a few years ago and people were going, oh, we're going to follow all the old people. And I thought, well, just speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is in the collective conscious and, and in our society, this, this belief that, you know, you're going to die at that, at that point that, you know, the, Hey, I've already passed life expectancy of the, you know, what they, they tell you you're going to live. Yeah. Well, the average in the U S is 78.3 and yeah. it, it actually happens to be something like 39th in the world of countries. So it's like a third world country and yeah, we could live a lot longer and a lot and a lot healthier, and a lot of the things that you teach actually can help people get there. And I, I know that I know that people come to you as a last-ditch effort for their their elderly pa parents. Yeah, and that's a that's like a two-edged sword. So when you have an elderly parent and you're concerned about them and their bodies are broken, just like animals, when their bodies are broken like something's not working, they, they just give up the ghost. Like my little cat, uh, when her body got broken, I did healing on her and she perked up and she had another month of really good life. And then, and then it got to a point where I could hear her saying, I'm done, I'm out of here. Yeah. And I think that, that humans do the same thing, except that we have that built in thing. Like, you know, you, you're not supposed to commit suicide. That's taking a life. Right. Yeah. And so we have this built-in thing, so nobody really wants to admit it. 
but I, I've worked with, with clients who are close to death and some of them want to live and I hear their bodies telling me I'm here to stay and those are the ones that get well and it's just like the elderly. Like a lot of elderly, when I talk to them, if they're 75, 80, you know, even, even early 70s, I've heard them tell me, yeah, I've had a really good life. So, you know, if it's over, it's over. I'm good. And uh, if I live, I live. And, I, and so when I hear that, I, I really don't want to work with that person. Cause yeah. It's, yeah, they're apathetic. I mean, the apathy is like way low on the vibrational scale. Uh, it's yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, so why would they want to stay? I, yeah, and even what, though that particular person, it was through his daughter that I was working with. It was a cancer client, and he had throat cancer at the age of 72. His cancer had disappeared. And eight months later, he stopped seeing me, which is always a mistake because I, I like to keep track and it's very inexpensive to do a maintenance plan. You know, once a month or once every two months, we just go in and make and tweak the things for, you know, a short amount of time. And uh, I would always urge cancer patients to stay because, you know, that means they're staying. And eight months later, it came back again. And when it recurs, it usually flares up a lot more quickly and it ravages the body a lot more quickly. And, you know, and so, so he, he decided that he wasn't going to stay any longer and he took some pills and took his own life. Because he did not want to stay. And, you know, in my view, 72 is young. 72 is really young. Yes, it's very young. But uh, he was done fighting. You know, his body was broken and he decided to leave it. Right. And um, that's that's something that I learned from my cat. Um, Yeah. When she, she left, her body was broken. Her personality wanted to stay. So we have our personalities, our ego, and then we have our soul. And her soul was ready. It, it mm-hmm. wanted to be out of this body that wasn't, that she was literally dragging her hind legs behind her. And, you know, she got, had a year after she got wobbly where um, my sister was saying, oh, you got to let her go. And, but that piece of, you know, we have a personality that wants to stay in the body and wants to hang on to our earthly existence. And then we have a soul that has a different agenda and a different, drive and, and totally different um, things that are, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, motivating it. So are you talking with the personality or the soul of, of the people when you're working with them? Yeah, that's a really, really awesome point, Gwen. I, I completely agree with that because my mom, even though her, her soul kept saying, I just want to be out of here and uh, her but her mouth out of her mouth was, I love my family so much. I do not want to go. I just want to stay. And I told her, you know, the whole decision is your choice. Yeah. And so, you know, hers was a special case. She had surgery in 1971 on her spinal column. Oof. And yeah, it's, yeah. My, it's my rough. Dad too. Yeah. yeah. When you, nick, yeah. When you yeah. nick the spinal column, a lot of people don't survive that surgery. Yeah. This was back in 71. That was before a lot of the, the you know, micro technology and right. um, the way we do things now, which is less invasive, you know, fiber optic, those kinds of things. They, they just didn't have those things back then. Yeah. And 
that she survived the surgery was number one, a miracle. That she wasn't a quadriplegic was also a miracle. Fantastic. And the third miracle is they told us that she might live five years and she lived 45 years past that surgery. <laughs> so I always told her she was 40 years past her expiration date. And she did really, really well until the last few years of her life. And what happens when you nick the spinal, col the spinal cord itself, when you nick a nerve, um, it just starts to deteriorate. Like right. unless you apply energy healing to it. But I didn't know energy healing at that time. I was only 17 during that surgery. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I got to do it later. And then um, as when I moved back to L.A., uh, which was 2008, it'll be 10 years this year. Uh, when I moved back to L.A., I started learning more sophisticated techniques and then adding to them to make them my own which is what I encourage all healers to do. Right. And I started healing her and she came back to life. It's like she really did come back to life. I um, did a lot of healing on her, but when she hit 80, it's like this magic number that people hit 80 and in their minds they go, oh, I'm old. And yeah, I've heard my mom say it. Yeah, I'm old now. And she's, I, before she was 80, she walked faster than me. And mm -hmm. I could, I had trouble keeping up with her. And now she's, she's finding, she's fighting a, a back trouble right now where she's having to see the chiropractor and, and she's not walking and we need to keep her active. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, she kept, my mom kept doing stuff. She would take her, her walker, her wheelchair, and she'd stomp around the house with it just to get her you know, just to get basically her energy moving. And she was actually doing a lot of the, the right things. But I could tell there was this hopelessness in her that she didn't have before. Yeah. And so when you're, when you're working with the elderly, I know that we love our parents. I love my mom. I still do. I still feel her presence. And I, I miss, you know, the, the two things that I tell people that I miss the most is hearing her voice. She had a Greek accent, you know, she, and towards the end, she only could speak Greek, but, you know, I could, you know, we could communicate and I also miss, you know, her personal hugs, smell, you know, her, just her physical yeah. presence, but everything else that all the rest of it's all still there. You know, that's the only thing I miss. And when I have a dream about her, I'll wake up smiling. Like I'll wake up feeling cheerful because she just visited me. And usually in the dream, I'll see her and I'll give her a big hug. And then I'll wake up ha happy because I got to experience those things again. But when, when we're making those decisions, you have to, you can't make those decisions for yourself. Like it's right. And there's so many of them, right? It's selfish to want to keep someone here who's in a broken body. And, uh, you know, I know that we've been told over and over, you know, it's bad to, you know, let someone commit suicide. It's not. It's the natural course of things. And yes, we do have a lot of ways of keeping people alive. But is chemotherapy, you know, if you have an 85-year-old, is chemotherapy really called for? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like killing them the fast way. Um, the, 
the thing with my father is what he had wasn't cancer. It wasn't cancerous. They told him, you know, well, if you do the surgery in five years, you know, you won't survive it. But he would have had five more years because he didn't survive the surgery as it was. And they went six different surgeons before they could find somebody that would even perform the surgery on him. And he was, you know, he was 89 or, or 70, 79. So um, actually, he was, yeah, he was 79. So he, he lived just past his 80th birthday. He, he died a few days past his 80th birthday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and, you know, what's interesting about these, uh, you know, the statistics about 78.3, the United States spends almost double what the next country down or what the next country down spends. Yeah. So they'll spend 77,000 to 8,000 per capita on medical care in this country. And the next country down is 4,000. Yeah. Right. And yet, and yet we rank so low on the lifespan list. And so we have to question ourselves, like, is all that medical care really helping? And the other is that, you know, one thing that I always advocate for is is taking care of ourselves long before we get to that point. Like I'll talk to 35 and 40 year olds and they, you know, I'll talk to them and they go, yeah, it's not, it's not on my horizon. I'm just not looking at it. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, it was just yesterday that I was 30 years old, just graduating from college, right. Graduating yeah. from graduate school and I blink and I'm 65. Right. Yeah. So those 35 years went in a flash and, um, you know, I've done the daily diligence of taking care of myself and yet, uh, and a lot of people aren't, and then they wake up and they're 55 and they're on nine medications and they're overweight and they feel like crap and everything hurts. Their brain is foggy and wondering, okay, I better take care of myself. <laughs> right. It's, it's like my mom saying, I don't need it there because there's no pain there. And it's like, <clears throat> we start, pain is the last thing we feel. When yes. something's wrong, you know, and, and I know that you talk about that, how things are in your blueprint and it starts from out here and it works and it its way in. in. Yeah. And by the time it's physically manifested, it's something has been in your field for years. Yeah. You know, that annoying person that annoys you day and night, whether it's a partner or a coworker, that annoying person that gets your mood down in the pits uh, day after day, that person is killing you or you're allowing them to kill you. And right. Every, every little yeah. thing that if you, if you don't take care of it, I, I just interviewed somebody else, a longtime client and I interviewed her for a radio show just last week. And she was saying that, you know, she had her normal stressful life and was getting sick all the time you know, because of all the stresses, yet she right. was a fitness expert, you know, she's about 40, she's this fitness expert, yeah. you know, she has a, a body to die for, six-pack abs, she's very beautiful, and uh, she didn't realize that all those stresses of running her business and all the people around her that were you know, kind of like glomming onto her, draining her, yeah. right? Draining her. And now that she's learned the techniques of letting them go and allowing herself to shine, she never gets sick anymore. Oh, that's so amazing. And I, th I think that people don't understand the, the principles of energy or energy healing. And 
I, I, you know, I'd love to talk with you more about that, about, you know, how can we help people understand energy healing, especially in, in relationship to the elderly and elder care? Right. So, um, you know, people ask me, well, if you're such a good healer, why can't you just heal your mom and she be well? Yeah. So energy healing is actually a holistic action. The, the mind, the body, the spirit, you know, all of those have to be in alignment. And in her case, and in many elderly people's cases, their spirit wants to die, their body wants to stay, they're completely out of alignment. No amount of healing is going to overcome that. Yeah. The only way you can overcome that, that barrier is to bring them back in alignment, and we can help them bring it back into alignment. But the problem is that so many people have given up hope of ever feeling good again. Because as I was mentioning, you know, people are now getting into their 40s and 50s and starting on the, the, the you know, the daisy chain spiral, downward spiral of medication after medication because each thing is, you know, each pill needs another pill to counteract that. And then pills <laughs> <laughs> for the side effects of your side effects. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so what will end up happening is that, is that we don't feel good anymore. And you're going like, you know, what the heck? Let's, let's get out of here. This body is too painful. I don't want to stay here. And um, as one 96 year old told me, <laughs> She says, getting old is not for sissies. It's so true. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, it's And taking true. care of yourself when you're younger so that as you age, you, um, you stay well longer is, is really one of the things that you're working on bringing into, into being in our society. Yes. And, and we're, and I've started, I have a school scientific healers Academy and I started a certification program and I'm first taking 12 people through to, to help spread the word, teach them what I know and teach them how the scientific principles of, you know, all the work that we do and how it actually works. So energy healing is a, is gentle. It's not brutal. Like you can create overnight effects. You can make a tumor disappear overnight. However, if we don't take care of the other aspects and bring the, the emotions, the, the spirit, the mindset, and the physical body, the physical care that you take care of yourself, if you don't bring them all into alignment, that you all want the same thing, then the tumor will come back. You can make it disappear overnight, but it will come back unless you're taking yeah, like, care of yourself. Yeah, like the guy you talked about that in the eight months and he was doing great and then eight months later, it's back. It's back he didn't and, then, he didn't. and then he took himself out. Yeah. So, so, that's, so in the case of my mom, she had given up hope. And so then I felt like my job was to make her as comfortable as possible. There you go. Okay. So, so let's take a little break and then we'll talk about what options you can um what, what options you can make to to help you know what some of those decisions are because you know right. i went through this from beginning to end i was assisting them i lived with my parents and all that so you can understand what your options are and what cautions that you can take to make sure that your parents or your loved ones, whoever grandparents are well taken care of and that they're going to do it's, they're going to be their best during that time. Yeah. And even a partner because there, there are people that have a partner that is significantly older than them 
Mm-hmm. And so whether it's the man out. or the woman, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, that's why I didn't say uh, husband or I've had clients with this situation where the, the man was 15 years younger and um, he accompanied her to her death. So yes. Wow. Yes. I want to remind all of our listeners, you're listening to Scientific Healing with Dr. Anastasia Chopolis. Today, my guest host is Gwen Leppard, and the topic is end-of-life care, when to heal, when not to, and what to do in each case. When we return after the break, we'll dive deeper into scientific healing and how it can work for you. According to the MetLife Foundation, people over 55 dread getting Alzheimer's disease more than any other Yes, loss of your memories and who you are. The statistics are staggering. One in eight get some form of dementia or Alzheimer's over this age of 55, while one out of three at age 85 show significant symptoms. Until recently, it wasn't believed that you could repair, heal, or grow new brain neurons. But now research shows how amazing the neuroplasticity is in your brain. While good nutrition, sleep habits, and exercise play a large role in helping you keep your mind intact, you can now re-energize your brain with a powerful new program that wakes up your brain and promotes deep neural healing. I have watched what others have called hopeless cases come out of comas and dementia and improve dramatically in a short period of time, much to their doctor's total surprise. Comments I hear often are doctors saying, I've never seen anything like this. You can get the same brain healing in a program that you can use over and over again to heal your brain and brain glands and keep them energized. You can live your best life ever with your memory fully intact. Isn't your brain worth a small investment? Go to scientifichealer.com forward slash your brain to find out more. That's go to scientifichealer.com forward slash brain to learn how. Welcome back. You're listening to Scientific Healing with Dr. Anastasia Chopolis. You can discover more about scientific healing and the deceptively simple processes for opening up your intuition, inner guidance system, and guiding you to the, your best health ever. Go to scientifichealer.com to connect with me to find out about a program that could work for you. Before the break, we were talking with my guest host, Gwen Leppard, about end-of-life care for the elderly. Let's continue this conversation. Welcome back, Gwen. Hi, Anastasia. I'm um, really interested in, in hearing about your experience, about the, the, all the decisions that need to be made, and what are the options, um, especially in, you know, in the energy healing uh, realm. Okay, so, so in practical terms, when you have two elderly parents and one is sick, the other one is in more danger of dying than the sick one because they're desperate to stay together. My parents were married for 64 years and they met when they were in their teens. Well, actually they met back when they were still kids, but then later they re-met when they were in their teens and there's never been anybody else for either of them. And they could not imagine uh, life without the other. And they used to, I used to hear their constant, they would, they would jokingly argue I'm going first. No, I'm going first because neither of them wanted to be left behind. 
And so um, my dad was desperate to, to, to keep my mom here. And he worked really hard. He cooked her meals. Okay, so he's over 80. He's cooking her meals. He's uh, driving her everywhere. He's um, pushing her wheelchair around. We have a step down, up the ramp, down the ramp. Um, dressing her in the morning, you know, like, like really doing all the things that a, a nurse should be doing and helping. And here he is an old guy. And fortunately, he was very fit. But when you have an elderly person in dementia, a lot of times the other one doesn't understand, like he thinks, like he was thinking that she got mad at him. But she wasn't, it was the dementia. And um, and dementia is like a whole other thing. There's a progression. And once, once it starts and it gets past a certain point of no return, dementia is actually the body shutting down and the brain is part of it. But in, in, the, in the case, you have to protect the parent that's still healthy and alive. Yeah. And um, what I did was I insisted on you know, I saw how much work my mom was like, I couldn't do it. And I, you know, three years ago, and even now I'm still pretty strong and pretty capable and healthy. I couldn't do it because she was always calling, you know, 24 seven, you have to be on call. She'd get up in the middle of the night, fall out of bed. You'd have to go over there and pick her up and put her back in bed and all of that. And um, that was all very difficult. So um, I first got my parents to, to hire a, a come in, you know, every morning, four hours, so my dad could get some relief. But it was too little too late, because on a weekend after she had gone home, on Friday afternoon after she had gone home, my mom was yelling at him, and he had bent over. And when you bend over and your head is below your heart, that's when uh, the stroke, a stroke possibility is at its most dangerous. And he had a stroke. So I get a call from my dad saying, can you come over here? And I said, sure, thinking that he needs help with my mom. <laughs> and instead I go there and there are two police officers outside first asking me, are those two married? <laughs> because she did not act like she even knew him. And then, um, I said, yes, they've been married 64 years. He goes, oh, okay. <laughs> so he, he was carted off in the ambulance, and I had to spend the night with my, you know, spend the weekend with my mom because she couldn't be left alone. And the, uh, the amount of work that I had to go through, I don't even know how he managed it. He just, he just managed it. And so then I told my dad he was fired. <laughs> <laughs> and we hired 24-7 care, and that is not affordable by most people because they've changed the laws where you used to be able to have somebody stay overnight, and you pay like 200 to 250 a day, and if you add that up over a month, it's like 6000 and now, and now, if you were to do that, you had to have one person every eight-hour shift, and it turns out to be about twelve to 15000 a month. That's a lot. There's no insurance that'll cover that. Right. And you can get um, long-term care insurance for yourself and other people. But when you're past a certain age, 
uh, it gets quite expensive every month too. It's like a thousand a month or more, even if you have no conditions. So, um, so they're, it, it's expensive. And the way they afforded it, they don't have a lot of money. The way they afforded it is that they had a house that's worth a million dollars. You know, it's not well, <laughs> they paid 30,000 when they bought it. It's now worth a million. And they took uh, a reverse mortgage on it and paid for, paid for the care then. And that was the best option until it couldn't work anymore because she got more mobile. And then this is when it really got to be difficult was that they're going to a nursing home. She is, was allergic to things and I had to be careful and set out all the medications because they would, they would not work with medications properly. So I had them all boxed up. So I was busy a lot. And there were days where I was on the phone all day long because of all of the decisions that needed to be made. And these kinds of things, these are things that, you know, we have to face. And I was trying to support myself. If I didn't work, I didn't earn. Right. <laughs> and I was drawing out of my own savings every month, taking care of, of people. And, you know, I got told by one business owner, like, why are you doing that? Like, you know, just release yourself from that and let someone else take care of it. And I'm going like, who's going to do that? <laughs> right. So and a lot of us have to train them to be able to do it properly. As right. Well. And so yeah. fortunately, fortunately, um, the, the caregivers that we did bring in and you have to screen them and go through them one at a time until, you know, you get somebody that blends with you and your family well so that's the one thing is to make sure, you know, don't, you know, fire quickly, hire slowly, fire quickly. That's number one. And uh, number two is, is do it earlier than you expect. Don't worry about the money because the money is not going to be worth squat if uh, you're wiped out because we should have done it way earlier with my dad. Right. Um, it would have saved him having a stroke. And uh, fortunately, because of all the healing I did, he's fully recovered. And <laughs> he just has a little vestigial weakness on the left side. He was, he, his left side was completely limp. Okay. He, had a, he had a thalamic stroke, which means it's the interior of the brain. And usually people don't survive those. So, um, or recover from them, especially when you're in your 80s. So he was 83 with his stroke. And the other thing that happened was going to those uh, nursing homes or recovery homes. They don't have, a lot of them don't have fresh food. I asked no. them, don't yeah. you have any or fresh organic. food? It's all, no, it's all canned and, yeah. and or frozen. Yeah. And the other thing that I watched happen, which to me was an absolute nightmare, is that they're treating these people that are not feeling good like pieces of meat. They'll just park them in the hallway and just whisk by and they'll be sitting there going, you know, like really catatonic, half catatonic. But the one thing that I know from dealing with, with my mom and, and other people is that if you get down and you look them straight in the face and you talk to them, they get it. They understand it. And you, you know, some of them, they're not, they're losing their hearing. You have to talk a little loudly. And what they wouldn't do is they wouldn't talk to her. They'd, 
like my mom would go, where am I going? Where am I going? She'd start panicking and then become intractable. And all I did was would lean, look at her in the face and say, mom, we're taking really good care of you. You need, you need some care right now. We need to change your bandage so it doesn't get infected. And she goes, okay. She and just then, wanted to know. Right. And in the so, right. And the other, per, the other thing that people don't realize is the intelligence is all still there. The memories just not. Right, uh, and uh, that's like the personality, and soul, the memory, and the intelligence—totally different things. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, so she would start spouting what people heard as nonsense, but I could hear her thoughts, and I knew it wasn't. And um, she would start saying, like, she would look outside and see some trees outside, and then she'd look at you and go, "Well, what is your tree?" <laughs> And people go, oh, she's lost her mind. What she was really saying is, what are you doing today? You know, how are you today? Mm-hmm. And she was asking it because her mind got, you know, her speech pattern got looped into, I saw this tree and I, I thought it was so beautiful out there. Yeah. But what I heard in her head was, I'm, I'm interested in hearing about you. Wow. Right. And without the memory and the words to put it into a framework that somebody else would understand without reading your mind, right. which so, can't, then yeah. So speech, speech is very complicated for us. Mm-hmm. It's very complicated. So um, by paying attention, and the other thing that I did, and I don't know why I started doing this, is I would interview her from day to day to see where she was at. Okay. You know, how old are you today? And then she would look around and say 80 and she was 82 at that point. She'd say 80 and I'd say, so how do you know? She says, Oh, uh, I saw it on my driver's license. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, whose house is this? Well, it's my house. Well, how long have you been living here? You know, just out of, you know, gentle curiosity. And she'd say, Oh, two years. Well, they've lived in the same house for 47 years. So you could see where she was missing some of the details. And a lot of times she would act like she was still young. So her, so the, the difference is the two parts of the brain. So the right side of the brain actually doesn't have a timeline. It's just information. And the left side of the brain is sequential. Right. So if the left side of the brain isn't functioning properly, the right side of the brain doesn't even know what year it is. And if the, if the right side's not functioning, then it doesn't get relational things like who are you and how are you related to me? And so the left side of the brain is sequential and gives you your timeline. Well, and I know you do a lot of brain healings for someone like your mother. Um, would that, would, would you do that? Would that be? Oh yeah. She would, okay. she would recover and she would, she would say, Oh, I feel normal again. I feel energy again. And so she stayed alive a lot longer with me around and in good, in good shape. You know, I just kept doing healings on her. She, she broke her shoulder bone from falling you know, being awkward and falling, she broke her shoulder, her arm, and I did a lot of healing on it. So it would function again. And um, a lot of times her opposite arm, she would get like this really huge elbow from bursitis. And I would just open up, I would just open up all the energy channels and within 15 minutes, it would be half the size. So yeah. I really took care of a lot of the pain and a lot of that. So energy healing just makes them more comfortable. 
Okay. Um, but if they're determined to go, they just go. There's nothing you can do. So my, I felt like my job was to make her more comfortable. And while she was in that nursing home, I would take her every day. I would make her a big, a big vegetable and fruit shake with protein in it. And she'd drink it. So finally she would get all those cations and live enzymes and everything in her body. And she'd perk up and her brain would work. Right. And so wild. That, I know. And they're, they're fed so poorly. Yes. Because they're, basically helping them die instead of keeping them alive. Is that right. well, an and, and accurate assessment? Well, they're, they're, not, they're not helping them die. They're speeding the process up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, a lot of, and a lot of medical care and a lot of the medications that they give them actually speed the process up because there's also a lot of misdiagnoses that happen. So uh, an infection, for example, if you have an infection, like you can catch a MRSA infection in a hospital very easily, a little infection like that will drive the blood sugar up. So instead of addressing the infection, which caused the problem in the first place, they start giving you metformin saying, oh, you have type 2 diabetes, your blood pressure is out of control. And then the metformin, one of its side effects is they, it causes you to lose your appetite. So then my mom didn't eat and she lost 30 pounds over a period of three or four months and she didn't have extra to spare. She's, she was, um, you know, already a reasonable size. She's never really overweight, not underweight, but not overweight. Um, you know, she, like most of us we can always stand to lose 10 or 20 pounds. And she was that way, you know, Greek and needy, like, like me. <laughs> and, um, the so then she started down this cascade of medications the other thing which i never understood is is that they'll give um cholesterol medication to elderly women and it's never shown to improve life and it caused a memory glitch in her and that's what started her downward memory slide okay so there's all these things to be really careful of is to keep them off as much medication as possible um, you know, a food allergies will cause blood pressure to rise. She was on nine pills until I controlled her diet. And as soon as I controlled her diet, she went down to three pills. Well, and, and what can people do? I mean, seriously, yeah. I mean, our um, well, we have to, care isn't, isn't set up to, you know, to, no, it's not well set up and to, to extend oh. life. Right. So, so I think the thing that we can do and aside from helping them with energy healing, get them more comfortable and more comfortable in their bodies and, you know, really allow that, really allow those that want to heal to heal and those that don't just feel more comfortable is to do, do your due diligence. There are places like a place for mom, a place for mom.com. It's a free service and they'll help you find places to put your parents that you can afford. And, um, and you have to stay involved, like have them nearby, like one child should be nearby and stay involved and make sure that they're getting the care they need. But I think that, you know, it's, it's worth a book to advocate, worth, you know, educating to advocate for the elderly because they are really helpless. They're old, they're frail, um, they're spent, and they've given up hope. And, and I, I think we need to re just really take better care of them and not dispose of them. They're old, let them go because they have so much wisdom. They have so much love to give. 
Like I um, lived with my parents for a couple of years and my mom was not an easy character. She was difficult, not an easy character at all, but there was so much there. She had a lot of depth. And when I looked past all of that, that blah, blah stuff that she did that made, would drive people crazy, I let all that go then I could appreciate her for who she was and I could see her for who she was. And maybe and, that's another piece for people that are letting go of a parent is actually to start seeing their parent for who they are and, and stop and being all the things that drive you crazy about them. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they're never going to change. You can't tell them, don't say that to me. Yeah. You or have to right. learn, right. You, cause, cause whatever, whatever pushes our buttons, those are our issues, not theirs. And once you, once, whenever something pushes your button, and if it's not your parent, somebody else will come and push that same button to remind you that that's your issue that you need taken care of. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yep. exactly. So, we've, I think we've come to the end, but I think the message is to be informed. And, oh, the last message is that hospice is not for end-of-life care. Hospice, what they do in general, is they will not take any um, heroic measures to save, save your life. So if somebody is, um, is needing, and the great thing about hospice is they send a nurse and a doctor to check on you all the time. They provide you free hospital bed, oxygen, and everything. And people have come out of hospice as often as they've gone in. So, oh, so so hospice isn't just end of care because that that right there is something that I didn't know. Yeah, and I don't so, know how many other people didn't know that that they right. can actually go into hospice care because you're maybe your life is at at risk and and threatened. Um, right, and you I can told, actually come out healed. Right, and I told I told you know when I first talked to hospice, and I wish I'd done it sooner. When I first talked to them, I said to them, um, they said, we won't come in and resuscitate her. And I go, yeah, she has a D DNR. Um, both my parents have DNR uh, orders. Like if I, like right. my dad, you know, he said, um, you know, when he had the stroke, he says, if I die, just let me go. Yeah. And I said, dad, will you trust me to make that decision? And he goes, okay. So, and the other thing is to make sure that you have power of attorney while they're still cognizant because uh, a parent, a parent going through dementia goes through a very paranoid period where they think everybody is stealing their money. In some cases it's true, but in our family, it wasn't true. And my mom was getting very upset. And one thing I would tell her, she says, somebody took all my money. And I said, no, mom, I saw the bank book. Everything's still in it. We've just got it tucked away for safekeeping so nobody else takes it. She goes, oh, okay. Yeah. So you have to constantly reassure. And you, it can be like you repeat yourself every day. It's just like raising a child. You have to repeat yourself every day. <laughs> we come in. We need care. We go out. We need care. <laughs> <laughs> or before we go out, we need care. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it could be you one day sitting there. So you're going to have to make your own decisions. Like who's going to take care of you and how's it going to happen? And a lot of people think, oh, I've saved up all this money. It can get used up with one illness like that. And you can also use up all your insurance benefits. Ins insurance. So that's another caution. Look into your insurance benefits and make sure that they're going to cover everything you need, especially if your family has a long history of dementia, right? 
Right. You have to be really yeah, careful. <laughs> <laughs> so on that happy note, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's just a lot of decisions. It's going to take yeah. work and the, the, the thing compassion, take, right? It's Action compassion. and compassion and love and care. And the other thing is don't become your parents or your partner's uh, caregiver. That's really good advice. Because you do not want to be on that kind of relationship with them. You want to have a good memory and not have the memory of cleaning up their poop off the floor and cleaning their bodies. You know, you don't want to have those memories of your parents. Um, you know, those, those are, it's just get a caregiver. They're professionals. You're not. They're professionals. You're not. It's worth every penny that you pay for them when you have a good one. Yeah. And, and don't chintz out, don't get somebody off the street who'll take it, do it for $10 an hour, get a professional because they know how to turn them over. They know how to take care of bed sores. They know how to clean them properly. They just know how to talk to them. They are really awesome. So I have to say I had, you know, you can have bad experiences. We had some not great experiences, but we had some really amazingly good experiences with some wonderful caregivers. So there's a lot of organizations that have caregivers. They're bonded, insured, and the whole and the whole scene. So don't become your parents or your partner's caregiver. Yeah, that's really good advice. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Oh, you're welcome. The end of life of your mom and 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 what happened to your dad. This was um, really it's hitting home. Yes. I had two parents in the hospital. I was running from one hospital to another for a period yeah. of a month. Right. Yeah. So, so thank you again. And, and as an entrepreneur, I mean, it adds that additional depth of, you know, having to take care of your business while taking care of both of your parents and, and luckily your children were out of the house, so you didn't have them to take care of as well. And I know some people in the sandwich generation end up having to take care of their children as well as their grandparents or their parents, as well as a business. And then, you know, they're really risking their health and to have the support of energy medicine throughout all of that and energy healing, it's not going to hurt anything. It certainly can help. Right. And you know, the, a lot of, a lot of the audios and videos and radio shows um, will talk about the kinds of support that you can do simple things that you can do every day, even if it's just to sit and take a few deep breaths and pause and, you know, sit up straight, take a few deep breaths and just let it out. Let out yeah. that. Take some yeah. time for yourself and don't get swallowed up in the whole thing. You know, make sure that you take care of yourself first so you have something to give somebody else. Yeah, your healing audio, the um, I think it's a 14-minute one, that one has been just invaluable. And uh, Yes, I, I hear that all, all the time. So... So let's wrap up. Thank you for listening to Scientific Healing and for our wonderful guest host, Gwen Leppard. Thank you so much, Gwen, for being here. Let's you and I connect. Go to scientifichealer.com forward slash clear dash now to get a free powerful relationship healing to energetically resolve past relationships or current ones. For those of you that are ready to get to a new place in your life, whether it's to help others or get yourself better, connect with me at scientifichealer.com forward slash appointment to speak to me or write me a note at scientifichealer.com forward slash contact. If you enjoyed this program, give it a five-star rating on iTunes, share it with your friends, and subscribe to my channel. Thank you until next time.